Welcome to Sober Doc Coffee, a weekly coffee chat sharing experience, strength, and hope for anyone on the sober road to recovery. You can download Sober Doc Coffee weekly on all podcast platforms and check us out on Instagram at Sober Coffee Podcast and on Twitter at Sober Coffee Pod. To learn more about us and to help support these sessions, visit online at Sober Coffee. Here are your hosts, two guys on their own path of recovery, Mike and Glenn. Let's join them at the coffee shop. Hey, good morning, Glenn. Hey, morning, Mikey. Let's get down to business. Let's rock some sobriety. Oh man, this somebody somebody got a little caffeine in there. You know what? It wow. is starting to kick in. It's amazing what four cups of coffee'll do. <laughs> four sixteen ounce cups. Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we got Karen with us again today. Hey Karen, guys. Karen, get ready. I hope you can uh, come up to speed. I only have two sixteen ounce cups. Oh, in there me. we go. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, but I'm going to do my best to keep up. That's Back all right. by popular demand. I think we have Back to keep up with you, Karen. Demand. Hey, a couple quick things. I uh, want to thank uh, those that have reached out to us uh, and those that have sponsored us and, and fed that. What do we call it on the online? Is it a coffee? Yeah, uh, coffee kitty. Coffee kitty, Same yeah. thing we call it in the rooms. Feed yeah. the coffee kitty. Thank feed you, so much, kitty. Thank you so much for support. Yeah, we have, um, just, just to kind of hit this topic, we've had quite a number of folks reach out and, and they would like to jump on and, and just share their story. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really value that. We appreciate people, you know, uh, reaching out to us, it's a uh, podcast at sober dot coffee, um, and we are trying to figure out how to do that from a technology standpoint. So um, we are looking forward to having some external guests come on. Uh, so far, our guests have been in the studio, uh, but we're figuring out the technology, and we look forward to incorporating some external guests uh, from our listener base. Yeah. And speaking of the, the uh, studio, um, Audio Hive and Joliet, want to thank them for... That is Chicagoland. Yeah, Chicagoland. Joliet. <clears throat> Joliet Jake and the boys. For for those in Pennsylvania that... That's you know, right. Right. <laughs> we love our Pennsylvania brothers and sisters. I know. It's crazy. We um, we have about 35% of our uh, listener base come out of uh, Illinois, Chicago. Right. And then Pennsylvania is a close second. So I know, oh, I love it. I guess that's where my mom lives. You know, and her summer home must be in Pennsylvania. No, her, uh, her IP server address must be yeah, in Pen- right, Pennsylvania. Right. That, and then we have uh, Canada, we have the UK, we have India, yeah, Australia, yeah. New Zealand. Sobriety is needed all around the Absolutely world. Absolutely right. That's yeah. a good message, Mikey. Yeah. Good message. So, so Karen, well, yeah, what do we got today? What are we chatting about yeah, today? What are we going to chat about? Well, I thought maybe let's talk about. Uh, like triggers. Trends. Oh, nice triggers. How do I keep myself out of how to uh, out of trouble? Oh my goodness! Nice. There, there's a guy in our room that that says that you know triggers aren't real. I'm like, really? Oh, I would, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Well, mine are. Yeah, mine are too. I don't know about him, but mine, mine are, are too. I won't speak for anyone else, uh, but mine are definitely real. Um, so, you know, I was thinking after we talked about this the other day, how. How do I keep myself safe and uh, safe, and how do I avoid these triggers, especially earlier in sobriety? And I think the first and foremost is that we need to remember, I am responsible for my recovery. Mm. Nobody else. Nobody else. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm responsible. So it's the actions I take that are going to dictate whether or not I succeed or fail. Mm-hmm. And, and that's true for anything, you know, right. weight loss or business or life or sobriety, anything. Um, I get rid of people in my life who don't serve a purpose anymore. Amen. If they don't have, if they can't respect healthy boundaries, you know, every now and then we get, we have people in our lives that once we get sober, 
you, everybody has that guy that's or girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been so long. You could have just one. Come mm-hmm. on, blah blah. Yeah, no, I love those that people. Pers- that, and they don't have to understand me and where I'm coming from, and they don't have to understand addiction or alcoholism. However, if they can't respect that I don't want anything to do with that, mm-hmm. then there's no place for them in my life. Right. You know, that seems to be a common theme. We talked about that a couple of couple of coffees ago, and uh, it seems to be a common theme. And, and so when I hear something more than once, I go, well, that must be important. And, and so, you know, choosing people in my life that are going to support my new way of living. And, f- and frankly, it's a new way of living. I mean, it's out with the old, in with the, in with the new. I had to change everything. And people, you're reminding me again this morning that making sure that you're aligned with the right people is an important part of the progress. Absolutely. Stick with the winners Stick is what I winners. learned I early that. on. Yeah, right. No, I was in a meeting yesterday and I was saying that... Um, they were talking about the different slogans, and one, someone brought up Stick with the Winners. And I said, when I think about it, all of my program friends, all the people that I talk to, like outside of meetings that are in the program, are people who go to meetings regularly, mm-hmm. work the steps, have a sponsor, mm-hmm. are involved in volunteer work. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the winners. Mm-hmm. They're the people that have found a way to make this work right. by doing it as it's laid out. As, it, as and it's that, laid and out. And that means we get rid of those people. You know, the hard part is we... Oh, but but they're my friend. And mm-hmm. when you try to clean up those people, places, and things, mm-hmm. um, you know, think about it. Was that bartender really my friend? Quote like did, what, did was I ever invited to his house for dinner? Yeah, right. Did when I quit drinking and suddenly fell off the face of the earth as did, far did as call? he's concerned? Right. Did anyone ever notice? Yeah. No. Someone slipped into my bar stool and they just kept going on with their lives. I love that. And they never called to ask how I was. You know. Do you think the, the the drug dealer asks their their no, they customer? Could care less. You know, yeah, right. shouldn't you be saving this money for retirement? <laughs> no, no. They could care less. They shouldn't you be going home to your family? They don't, no, care. They don't care. You're just they don't care. you're just a, a, a means customer. to an end, yeah, right? right sure. Yeah, right. you know when, when when I hear of triggers, you know I I had a life where everything was a trigger. You know, I drank over everything. Um, and then I, you know, through sobriety, you know, and a couple things had to happen. Um, but I have gotten to the point, and, and I live day by day in my sobriety, but I have gotten to the point where I really believe, and, and I believe through a lot of facts, that I can get through any situation without drinking. Absolutely. I didn't, it took me a while to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything was a trigger. But for me, I had to surrender. I had to surrender this program, and I said, you know what? You guys, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. Mm-hmm. And I've told that story before. But what that started to do was, you know, lay the foundation for a new purpose of life. Mm-hmm. You know, and part of my purpose is January 6th. Mm-hmm. And what January 6th says in the 24-hour book reading, the AA 24-hour thought for the day, that's it. Mm-hmm. It says, the most important thing in my life is that I don't take a drink, is my sobriety. I believe that, and I live that. Anything that threatens that, call it a trigger, call it whatever you want, it's out. I avoid it, mm-hmm. and I can be extremely assertive about it when I need to. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that takes planning. You know, t- part of it, you know, as I plan my life, I don't go to the places I used to go and drink. Mm-hmm. Mark's Bar, I don't go there anymore. I don't even get near it because I know what it does to my head. 
I plan my life today, and like like we've talked about, I do 20 thing, 22 things a day, a week, a month to, to stay sober, and it it plans around those triggers and traps. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think that's kind of a baseline for me, is I know what's not good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so that's certainly, you know, and, and Karen, like you said, people, I have very few people in my life today that are not sober people. Yeah. Yeah. And I needed that. I think I have, I have a lot of people who are not sober people. But they're not alcoholic people either. Right. So, right. They're not out getting trashed and, every and night. They have no, um, like I have a group of friends I'm taking down to our Florida place next week. Five women. There's going to be six women in my condo for, mm-hmm. for like five days. And there will be a lot of partying there. But the thing, the thing that makes it okay for me, first of all, I have my meetings laid out that I will be going to. So we scheduled our beach and our tiki tour mm-hmm. and all our stuff around me getting to a meeting in the morning. They all also understand I don't drink, and they don't... That was my key question. Like, they don't... They would never sabotage it. That was my key question. Right. Do they know, and do they support? Yes, Because I've done that before. 100%. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to drink this weekend. And I wasn't honest with them, and it played mind tricks with me the whole time. And then I would land up relapsing. Oh, no. They tell... They remind me from... They're really a fun group. They'll tell me. They'll say, it's good you don't drink anymore. Remember that one time? Yeah. And then they tell the stories. Uh, But they... So so if it gets to be too much for me, mm -hmm. then I just say goodnight, girls, and I go in my room, and I shut the door. So that's... That's different than just Boundaries. going away yep. with, you know, or being with people who don't get it or don't know. That's why I, I would never, I wouldn't travel with somebody who didn't know I was in recovery. Sure. Because Too dangerous. for me to pick up a drink in front of them, they would think it's normal. They don't know better. Right. This, like these, these friends, for example, if I even like thought about opening a beer, they would be like, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like they would slap it out of my hand. Right. That's, that's the kind of friend you want. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's where I, I used to fake it in those situations. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be honest with people and I would fake it. And every time I faked it, I failed. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I think it, it, it reminds me that once I get into the program and, and, and again, like you said, there's nothing more important than my sobriety. I had to, not only start dealing with different people and hanging with different people, but I had to start acting different. I had to, I had to physically, if I want to drink, I needed to get out of that space, that physical space that I was at where I wanted to drink. And, and, and for me, it all goes back to the thought process. And if I start thinking the way I used to think, then I start acting the way I used to act, and then I start doing the things I used to start doing. It's Correct. just that simple. Correct. Um, I'm not advocating for going on, you know, long, long trips like that with long party trips with people. But the the nice thing about being in recovery a little while is that now you start living your life, and and my recovery is the most important thing in my life. But now I can live my life within my recovery. I don't have to live for my recovery. Mm-hmm. Like I can today. I'll. I, I don't. Uh, if there's a band or a party in a bar, I'll go. Mm-hmm. But I don't go to a bar and sit at a bar just to BS with people after work. Mm-hmm. I don't stop on my way home for a water. I don't do that anymore. You know, sometimes in, in early recovery, we have to give up things that used to be heavily associated with drinking, whether it was 
playing softball or bowling or, um, you know, like shooting pool, any of of those uh, things that you did that then ended up in the bar. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have to give those up until we're ready. You know, I'm I'm not saying that because... Let's face it, the real, the whole world didn't quit drinking because we did. Right. And they're not going to stop serving alcohol at restaurants or at weddings or at anything else just because Karen doesn't choose to drink it. Mm-hmm. So I have to find a way to exist with it. Right. I can avoid it for the most part, but it's better for me to, to start from within and to know where I'm at than I don't get caught off guard. Uh, I'm prepared to handle situations. What, what do they say? You don't... Uh, if you go to the, hair, the barber long enough, you're going to get a haircut. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if you, you hang out in the barbershop, you will get a haircut. I've gotten a lot of haircuts. There's, there's another one. So I, I stopped going to the barbershop. It. There's another one I know that. Oh, I don't know. I won't say yeah. that one. Yeah. But. Yeah. yeah, but you know what? When 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 I think of that and, and me early in sobriety, all of a sudden I'm brought back to early sobriety. And, and I was frustrated because all I heard was a pile of don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Can't do this. Can't do that. And for me, if you say I can't do something, that's all I want to do. Karen, mm-hmm. if you said to me, Glenn, you can't go out and lick the tree trunks out there, I've never lift, licked a tree trunk in my life, but that's all I would want to do, right? So now you're saying, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. So what helped me is, is you know, I started, instead of all the can'ts, let me outline what I can do and what I should mm-hmm. be doing. Mm-hmm. I should be going to meetings. I should be going to the... AA sober bowling night. You know, I should be going to my men's group. I should be doing this. And and that helped me instead of a world of can'ts or don'ts or you shouldn'ts, mm-hmm. right? Now I started saying, you know, let me not focus on the can'ts, but let me focus on what I should be doing. And I started really, that's kind of where I built my, my sober fairway. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I can do a lot in a sober fairway. Mm-hmm. My, my first sponsor used to say, instead of, because uh, I felt the same way, and I would say, what? You know what? I can't go here. What, I can't can go I there. Do? What can Darn I do? It. And she started saying, "How about if we just don't do this for now? For now." And then eventually, when I could do those things, I didn't. I didn't really care to. Right. Like the when I drive past a, a tavern, because let's face it, I wasn't. I wasn't drinking in um, you know high end establishments. The Ritz Carlton. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, the signature room. I go past the tavern. And I see all the cars, and I see people yeah. standing outside having their smoke with their beer in their hand. See those neon lights. And I think, wow, what a waste. It's a lovely evening. I'm going to go home and change my clothes and sit on my deck for a little while. And I think, they don't get to do that. Right. Like, the thought of that is like, ew, why would I want to do that today? Mm-hmm. I get it. I used to love doing that. I thought that was life. But, mm-hmm. um, but today, there's things that, you know... It's not that I can't go to a bar if there's a party. Or a big book tells us, I think it's on page 101. Do we have a reason for being at that at that event or that situation? You know, I would say it's really important to not attend the events or go to the places, whether it be a bar or a concert or a picnic or a family. Family events are huge mm-hmm. triggers. Mm-hmm. So well, there's usually a lot of resentments tied, yeah, right, a lot of stress, right. expectations. So you got to get all that figured out prior right. to prior to going to that stuff. So the problem the problem comes in, I think, in the especially earlier in recovery, people think, well, I have to go. It's it's my cousin's wedding. I have to go. We don't have to go. Look at January sixth. You don't have to January go January 6th is the most important thing. I don't have to do anything. Exactly. Exactly. And we that's important that we teach a newcomer. 
that if it's if you don't feel ready to do it, then don't do it. <clears throat> and the person that like whose wedding or party you missed or whatever, first of all, they're probably not going to know that you weren't there. They pr- you're not that important. They probably didn't miss you. But if they do, and they take offense to that and don't, you know, don't understand that you weren't ready to be there, that's one of those people that doesn't need to be in our life anymore. Yeah, or or plant. Um, like for example, my daughter is getting married in 2022 and um you know people are all stressed about weddings and and right <clears throat> and and i just said that i can probably get through any situation without drinking i feel very confident of that and i can get through her wedding but you know what why put the pressure on myself as soon as i found out she got engaged you know what the first thing i did i went to my sponsor i'm like dude we're going to a wedding mm-hmm. and i'm mm-hmm. taking my sponsor with me mm-hmm. You know, so I'm building that accountability. I'm building those guardrails. I'm planning a year and a half in advance. I got my sponsor. I know he's coming. I know we're going to sit there at the same table together. And, you know, it's, you know, I, I've just learned to live life differently and avoid a lot and manage those triggers. And I am going to a concert next year in 2022. I already got tickets. I'm going to see Goo Goo Dolls in Blue October. Nice. And I'm not going to drink, and I'm going to have a great time. Concerts are probably one of my favorite things to do. I love live music. And for a long time, I didn't go to any concerts. Now, I don't... I can go, and I can plan. I can have the right people with me. I went to see The Cure, my favorite band. Sober as can be, and I loved it. I don't think about... I tell you what, I enjoy concerts more now than... Than when I was drinking, because I remember them. You know, I, you know, I, I go through most, the whole set list. That's right. Most of the musicians feel the same way now that they're sober. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You know, they're actually enjoying their own shows. I, I think Goo Dolls are sober. Right. So uh, I'll tell you this, though, Glenn. My daughter got married three years ago, and we had the big production, a couple hundred people there. I got up, I went to a meeting, and you know what? It was just Saturday. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was just sa- I started the day like every other Saturday. I went to my home group, and then I went and got my hair and makeup done, and went home and put the clothes on, and went through the whole day. And it never occurred to awesome. me to drink any more than any other day. And you know, there's been other things in this program that I, I had two siblings pass both suddenly in when I was sober. One I was like five years sober, and um, the other one closer to twenty. But never occurred to me pick up a drink now the first one was a little tougher because it was i was a little newer and i called my sponsor and i said oh my god my sister passed this afternoon and she was like what and when i calmed down enough to tell her i'm like i don't know what to do and she's like go to a meeting meet me at 5 30 at this meeting i'm what my sister just died are you listening and she's like go to a meeting first thing you do is connect with somebody right Right. that's that's what i've learned first thing i do is connect and and i love that thought you know, when we go to the wedding because it's out of town, you know, we're going to have to find a, a meeting first thing that sure. morning, and, and, and I'll go with him. That's, that's, right. that's it's great. Just, it's just, it's just how, how you plan day. things. It's right. just another day. You're going to be, well, first of all, you'll, you'll just be busy, mm-hmm. you know, pictures and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think if I was drinking, I would have had time to drink that day because it was so, uh, there was so much going on. Well, it reminds me of a guy I talked to, you know, at one of the meetings and, and he was new. He had a couple of weeks and I was talking to him after the meeting. He said, Glenn, he said, you just don't understand. He goes, I got my daughter's wedding coming up. You just don't understand. And, and, uh, I don't know how I'm going to go, you know, to my daughter's wedding without drinking. And, and that toast, we got to have the toast. 
Mm. And I said, dude, I get it. I said, how old's your daughter? Three. Because she's three. <laughs> I was guessing. That's funny. Exactly. And and uh, and I'm like, it just clicked, man. I'm like, oh, that's how this crap works, you know? I mean, it right. just messes with your head. We create this pressure for certain events. Right. And weddings and funerals and holidays seem to be, like, always top five of stressful things or job changes. And, and people, like, we, we just create this pressure that doesn't need to be there. No. No. It's just a, it's just Saturday. It's, it's just, just Saturday, Saturday. Yep. you know, right. or whatever day awesome. she's getting married. Good stuff. Good stuff this morning. Yeah, and and the one last thing that you had mentioned prior to jumping on the air was you know keeping booze around the house. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. You know, my wife drinks once every two or three months, right? And and we have this shelf in our pantry. It's got four beers on it. It's got. Um, you know, a bottle of wine that I don't even know what it is, and it's got like uh, a bottle of Bailey's. <clears throat> we don't have any vodka. Good call. <laughs> yeah, but but it's amazing. First of all, that I know how much is there and, and what's there. I'm very aware of it, and and it still plays with my mind a little bit, right? So if you don't have to, ha- and I don't have to have it in the house, right? Um, but if you don't have to have it, don't have it, right? Because every time. You know, she used to have two beers in the fridge. Every time I went in the fridge, I was reminded, hey, I don't drink. Oh, they used to taste good, you know. Uh, you know, and it, the mental gymnastics, you know. Mm-hmm. So, the um, <clears throat> clean house, if, get it up. If there's, like, if we entertain, there's alcohol in our house now, not, not much. But the rule is, if we entertain and there's beer in the fridge for company, then after that party, it goes down in the basement. You know, my husband... He doesn't have to change his life because I changed mine. Right, exactly. Now, early in mm-hmm. recovery, he did. There was mm-hmm. no alcohol in our house till I was ten years sober. Right. Mm-hmm. But when pe- when we have when we have an event or a dinner party or something, when the, when the company leaves, anything right. that's been opened it's goes down the drain. Yeah. And then any yeah. other anything else, my husband puts away in a garage, and I don't even know where it is. The only thing I know in the garage is where my car goes. Right. So that's all his, you know. And I don't. That's awesome. But don't keep it in the house if you don't need to. And, that's another thing. People get worried, like, well, if I have company and there's no... If people don't want to come to my house if I'm not serving alcohol, then don't come. Then, yeah, right, right. <laughs> That's okay. So yeah. my takeaway this morning is the garage actually is for the car? You're yes. Yeah. Okay. It All is right, possible cool. to put a car in the garage. Okay. It used to be my bar. but yeah, right. uh, No, you know what? With, with triggers, hey, life goes on. Life happens out there, but it's how we, you know, it, it, it's how we're committed. It's what our purpose is, and we plan ourselves around that, you know, right. Think and act 100%. rightly. Right. Yep. Think, you're going to think what you think, but just act rightly. Yep. Right. Thank you so much, Karen. Great coffee. Thanks right, for Karen. having me, guys. Good Thanks to see you again. Thanks for jumping in. All right. Talk see to you. See you soon. Thanks for joining us for today's Coffee Chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800-839-1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution. 